There's a difference between being in real estate and then being in luxury real estate and then being right. in one of the best brokerages arguably in the world. Selling the OC star Brandy Marshall found herself at the center of a controversy that made headlines across the entertainment industry. The drama's real. That's like, oh, really? Damn. Yeah. We're just like very vulnerable and we're putting ourselves out there in front of the world for you guys. How did you kind of work your way up into working for the Oppenheim Group? Because I'm sure there's so many realtors out there that want to be in your position. I will spend 12 hours in the office at the Oppenheim Group and it'll feel like I was there for two. Mm -hmm. But when I had that nine to five, when I tell you at 4.55, I was like, my purse is packed, I'm ready to go. I don't think there's a big enough salary in the world. It's just like being an entrepreneur is just a different type of beast. And like, it just like, it kind of like lights a little fire in me. It's exciting. Welcome to School Didn't Teach You This, episode four. I'm very excited. I have a fantastic guest with me today. Um, if you have seen the show on Netflix, it's called Selling OC. And I'm not afraid to say this. This is my favorite person from Selling OC. <laughs> Um, I feel like my vibe, my energy, I'm very chilled and very laid back. I feel like she also matches that energy. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to introduce you to Brandy Marshall for episode four. Thanks yes. for coming on. Yes, oh my gosh. Um, thank you. Thank you for having me. I mean, I, I appreciate that because I am chill. I am laid back. Yeah. And I'm just, um, I'm just real, you know, yeah. and um, it's, it's, it's an interesting journey, but I'm, I'm glad to be on here and, you know, speaking about real estate and, and my life and just how TV and real estate intertwine. So let, let's jump into it. I think the first thing that a lot of people would like to know is what was the process of getting onto Selling OC, right? And being on a Netflix show. Oh, it was like a rolling of the dice. It wasn't any process. There wasn't any like um, anything that happened where I was like trying to, for this to happen to me. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I literally um, had just moved to Orange County about two months prior to joining the Oppenheim group. And I heard about the show, obviously, but I met someone that was telling me that, hey, you know, they're, they're hiring agents. And one thing about me is that I've always wanted to be in luxury real estate from the moment I got licensed. I didn't know how because I was selling houses out in Victorville. I don't All know right. if you know where that is. Yep. Victorville, $200,000 houses. And I was like, I wanna make it to luxury. Well, my husband and I moved to Orange County, so I was like, well, here I am, I'm gonna make it to luxury. What? That's the perfect luxury brokerage. Come to find out they're having a show, Yeah. they wanted me on the show, and then that's how that happened. So I guess, okay, so you are now currently on Selling OC on Netflix, but prior to that, what was your journey to real estate? I'm assuming real estate lends to your personality, but mm -hmm. I know that you studied PR, right, right, before this. So what was it yeah. that got you into real estate in general? Um, so. Initially, I got my degree in communications and I was a publicist in LA. Mm -hmm. So I lived out here for about seven or eight years. And that was great. You know, I was an entertainment publicist. You know, I was moving and shaking and rubbing shoulders with all these people trying to help them become stars, you mm -hmm. know, basically. And um, it was really exciting until I had children. Right. And I realized that I was always out at night, you know, because I'm going to these events all the time. And it was just... I don't know, the lifestyle just didn't suit me anymore. And also like, that is a really tough industry as well. And I just had like dollar signs in the back of my mind. And I was like, how can I make a really, really good living for myself, but also be available for my children whenever I want? And something like a little alarm went off in my mind because my grandmother sold real estate when I was a like, when I was like five years old, I would be in the back of her Mercedes and she was just like boss collecting rent. Like, and I, I didn't know what she did, but all I knew was like, she's a boss and like, she makes money. And 
but she's always around and she's like always, you know what I mean? She's yeah. always got Louis Vuitton on. She's all, you know what I mean? I didn't even know what yeah. Louis Vuitton was. It was like this brown leather, this brown leather purse. Like she was just very like, she was goals. Right. And I guess I like put that in the back of my mind and think of it. But then once I had children and I was like, I'm going to get into real estate. And not to mention, I had just purchased a house and I was in love with interior design. Mm-hmm. I was in love with like just looking at homes all the time. I would go in the model homes and like just look at them and get more information from the builders about them and stuff like that. And then I think the the final the final thought was when I purchased my house and I saw how fast that deal closed. And then, you know, you have to sign the paperwork and I saw how much money the agent made. And I was like, you just made this in 30 days? Doing something that like I already like, like showing people houses and just like, I'm a people person. And that's, you can tell that because I have a public relations background, right? Like right. I love to talk to people. I love to connect people. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is literally what they're doing. Like they, this person just got on the phone and fought for us back and forth with the other agent and just made a really nice check. So not only on your property too, they've got probably about three or four of those exactly. closings that month, right? Yeah. And that was just on one. So I was like... I'm getting my license. So I got my license. I was pregnant with my son at the time. I was studying while I was pregnant and um, passed it on the first time. And I was like, let's go. Okay. So getting into real estate in itself, right? Yeah. That's fairly easy, right? The the barrier to entry is fairly low. So yeah. as far as the exam goes, I believe it's like three months. Yeah. But there's a difference between being in real estate and then being in luxury real estate and then being right. in one of the best brokerages arguably in the world. Yeah. Right? So how did you kind of work your way up into working for the Oppenheim Group? Because I'm sure there's so many realtors out there that want to be in your position. Yes. So for me, it was all about like small steps. And there were times where I had one job and I still had my real estate license, but I had to keep that job just until real estate started like making more money for me. Right. And, um, you know, eventually, obviously, luxury was the goal. Mm -hmm. I knew that I needed to live in a luxury area for one, to know my market, for two, because this would be the neighborhood that I would be selling in. So that was a long-term goal. Mm -hmm. I didn't expect it to happen, but we got an opportunity to move to Orange County. Um, My husband's job was actually in Orange County and he was commuting. So he was like, you know, let's just move there. And I kind of rejected the idea just because I didn't know Orange County and I think of like Orange County Housewives and I just think of like oh my gosh like I like I don't fit in here like you know what I mean like I don't, I'm not rich yeah I'm like I'm not rich I'm not like with like I don't have a dog in my purse like I just didn't feel like I like fit in you know right. and um but I had to look at the opportunity mm-hmm. and I was like you want to get in luxury real estate that like you would be literally sitting in the middle of what you want you know what I mean? So we took the leap. I did it. And within um, about two to three months of living there, I got my first million dollar listing in Laguna Niguel. Fantastic. Um, yeah. Sold yeah. that. And I was like, Phew. as soon as I got that, I was like, okay, I can do this. Right. You know, so, you know, it started off very low, 200,000. And then I was like working under somebody who was also really big um, before I came to the Oppenheim Group, the previous brokerage. Mm-hmm. He also ha- runs like a mega brokerage and I was working under him, okay. but I, I was doing like admin. Like I was doing admin, but I was also selling on the side. So I was able to work at that brokerage and do admin and like listen in and like learn and see how uh, he was doing like prospecting and see how like his systems were set up right. as well as sell houses. So it was like kind of like a perfect situation. But then the situation got even better once I was able to level up and go to Oppenheim Group. So, right. you know, that's that's just kind of how that happened. It's just like brick by brick. And before you realize it, you kind of take a step back and you're like, 
oh shoot where wow you know what i mean like you know i at times like i tend to take it for granted that i'm i'm on a show selling homes and selling multi-million dollar homes at that you know what i mean when just a few years ago i didn't even know that you know i pictured myself selling luxury but i thought i was going to be maybe like 50 or like some like you know like older like because that's a lot of the times when i run into luxury agents they are older because that's how long it takes to build a business right you know so i i'm i'm very like fortunate and blessed to get put on a fast track you know Hmm. it's really interesting you say that actually because i feel like a big reason as to why a lot of agents that are in luxury are older is because you almost sell to your peers yeah right so it's like if you're looking to sell luxury real estate, mm-hmm. those people that can afford luxury real estate are usually going to be older and they've had time to accumulate money. I know. Right? So how, does, <laughs> how is it for you? And Because obviously in luxury real estate, you're probably going to be dealing with a lot of people in their 50s, 60s, people who have extensive experience yeah. in investments and things of that nature who've got mm-hmm. really strong personalities too, right? Absolutely. So how do you manage like p- dealing with different personalities and then also people of different like age groups or yeah. like people that aren't really necessarily your peers when you're doing business. Yeah, and that is an amazing question because that is one of the bigger challenges in Orange County. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously I'm not the most relatable to them, right? For one, they're they're not my peers, right? And for two, there isn't that relatability just because, you know, I'm not from OC, so I don't have like all this historical, like, oh yeah, you know, I grew up, my dad, so-and-so, like I don't have these like stories that they have. Went to Laguna Beach High School, like I don't have that, you know what I mean? So it is a challenge and I I just, I'm myself, you know, and I figured that my clients would be my clients and people who can recognize a strong work ethic and can recognize that this person knows their stuff and that and they're capable. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't it doesn't hurt that we have an amazing brand behind us as well, you right. know, because we can edify our broker, right? And mm-hmm. we can say, look at the, look at our sales, look at our brokerage's sales. At the end of the day, even though I was newer to luxury real estate, the brokerage isn't, and Jason isn't either. So right. if I need to bring Jason on a listing yeah. to like make sure that you know we get it, then that's that's yeah. what I'll have to do in order to oh the knockout punch. Let, let that one pass by too. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> but um, but yeah, that that is. That was a challenge um, when I first moved there. I was like, dude, I don't speak the language. Like, yeah. I don't know. But I'm noticing the more events that I go to, right. the more that I um, meet people, you just meet people where they're at. And and a lot of times it seems more intimidating than it is because I, that, I was extremely intimidated. I'm like, this guy owns all of the Chipotles. Like, what? You know what I mean? Damn. Like, I'm, I'm cold calling somebody. And, you know, obviously, like, right. agents, we do our research into who people are before we you know, target them and say like, this person needs to sell. Mm-hmm. Like the title person will give you next seller's list. You go to the next seller's list and you're like, who am I going to call? And you're like, okay, I'm going to call this house because they they need to sell. And then you look up the owner and you're like, he owns all like all of the jets in the world. Or like, so, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just saying like something crazy and you're like instantly intimidated. But then you call this person and you talk to this person and they're like, cool, they're super cool. They're down yeah. to earth. They just want their household. Yeah. And if you know your, if you know your stuff, you're capable yeah it's, it's what's the problem they're another human just like we are a lot of the time exactly. we idolize people and put people on a pedestal yeah. and it's almost unnecessary that, i had that situation true. happen the other day really yeah i went to the gym and uh i go to a nice gym right so kind of explains why i bumped into him there but i was sitting outside the gym and i was talking to my mum on the phone yeah and i was like oh, you know what? I'm, I'm always i feel like i'm always like running uphill you know what i mean yeah, like things yeah. are always really difficult in the sense of like every time you feel like you every time you feel like you've achieved something it's like oh no but I need to be there right yes. and I was on the phone with my mom and I, was, I had her on my airpods and I was just chilling and I was very relaxed and I sit in this chair and then I look opposite me and I'm like nah nah and my mom's on the phone still talking I'm like mom uh I'm sitting opposite the founder of Airbnb 
Yeah. Wow. And, and she was like, all right, here's what's going to happen. So, you know, you get that ner- you get that level of nervousness, yes. right? Before yes. you speak to someone. She said, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to hang up and you're going to go speak to him. And then you have to call me back afterwards. Yeah, yeah. And I went, yeah, but da, 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 da. She's trying to hold you accountable. Hung, she yeah. hung up the phone on me. She didn't even let me give an excuse, right? <laughs> and I was like, oh, damn, man, now I have to go introduce myself to, to this dude, right? Yeah. And uh, he was talking to someone. So I didn't even, you know, that was another thing, right? I just walked up to him and interrupted their conversation. I was like, just to let you know, I've been doing a lot of research on Airbnb. I saw your recent interview. Wow. I'm extremely impressed by what you've done. Wow. And I think what you've built is incredible, right? Yeah. And, you know, I just wanted to give you props for it. And he literally, just, he reached out his hand to shake my hand. That's so cool. And I was like, dude's worth $11.4 billion. Wow, this is weird. Jeez. Awesome. Yeah. That's incredible. See, exactly. Like it's it's moments like that. I'm so glad you just told me that story because like I love hearing motivational things like that just because it is intimidating knocking on someone's door right. that owns this $11 million house. You know what I mean? Or things like that because like a lot of agents at Opp- at the Oppenheim group, we go back to brass tacks. Like mm-hmm. we are cold callers. We are door knockers because I'm not from OC. How else am I going to build my sphere? I don't have a sphere. I don't right. have like people calling me like, hey, my friend, because they don't know me. So Mm -hmm. I have to introduce myself to them and I have to like work, you know, earn their business basically. And how else are you going to do that? Show up at their front door. So let's talk about this because you're on a Netflix show. Yeah. So the perception is this person is on Netflix. They've got everything so easy. (laughs) They're killing it. Look at her amazing dress. Look at her doing all these great things. Hanging out with NBA players, selling out like all these different things, right? There's, there's a level of perception and then there's reality. It's like, you know, you, you're doing the exact same thing that an agent would do if they're straight on the scene and they're 21, right? Absolutely. If not it's, more, like you said, you came in the office and you saw that I was the only one in there working. Right. Like sometimes we have to go above and beyond because there's a pressure now. There's mm-hmm. pressure of the world watching us and we don't get to just like, you know, there's ebbs and flows of real estate, right? Like, you know, at sometimes you might have a deal and you might go like, three months and then you don't get another deal. But when you're on a show and then the world is watching and you're that representation for people, you're like, I need to, like, I have to make it because I have something to prove. You know what I mean? And it's like, I was given this amazing opportunity. I can't just like sleep on it and let it pass me by. So you have to get out there and like go after it and find sellers or find people who want to buy and, you right. know, do it like that. And no, just because we're on a Netflix show. I mean, for some people, it is easier than others. Like if you're an OC native, you know, mm-hmm. one of my castmates, his dad is like a powerhouse in OC. Like he's one of the biggest agents in OC. So like for him, like his life is probably totally different than mine. Right. But even for him, like he is going after his own, like making a name for himself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So we have to go back to the basics. We're marketing. We're, I, I write I, my favorite method of prospecting is handwritten letters um next is cold calling Hmm. i love to handwrite letters to people and i just it's it's just a very personal touch you know what i mean and i i it limits how much i can do though because i'm not like just mass printing out 600 flyers and sending them all over the place i'm literally handpicking you know about 50 people and i'm like i'm like I'm interested in your house because of X, Y, and Z, or I actually have someone who's interested in buying or, you know, whatever the case may be. And I specifically reach out to them. I'm thinking about that on a very deep level right now. A lot of people that have built wealth, they value time. Time is the biggest asset, right? It's the only thing you can't get back. So I believe, at least from a subconscious level, that the reason why your handwritten letters work so well is because they understand and they comprehend the amount of time that you've spent. And they know, okay, this person's just spent half an hour writing a letter to me, right? They could have just had some service send me out an email, but no, you know what? I value the fact that this person gave me their time. Yep. 
and this person is professional they've got all the yeah they tick all the boxes let's reach out right it's really awesome and so what i'll do is i'll i'll write them a handwritten letter and then i'll follow up with a call and i'll ask them did you get my letter mm -hmm. and for me i just try to put myself in a seller's shoes and think about what would if i was selling a house what agent would i go with would mm -hmm. I go with the one who's just sending me a postcard every, you know what I mean? Right. Recent sales, whatever. Or am I going to go with the one that's like, seems to care about my purchase? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, or, or seems to care about my sale. I'm going to go with that person because right. this is a pretty big deal, especially when we start getting into the multi-million dollars, right? Like this is a big investment for people. They don't want to just put it in the hands of anyone. And mm -hmm. also, I mean, it's also nice if you like the person right. as well. So. I mean, just for myself, I would like a handwritten letter, so that's why I do it, you know? Yeah. And then I also I also cold call too, you know, Mojo Dialer and everything like that. Right. Um, but yeah, like like I was saying, I've showed up at people's doors, like, hey, do you wanna sell your house? They're like, where do I know you from? And like, I'm kind of like weird, like, do I say it? Because this is like weird, because I'm door knocking and then I'll just be like, I sold the house two doors down. They're like, you were on Netflix, you sold it on it. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, come in. You know what I mean? Like give me like a full tour of the house. And they're like, you know, Bessie's with me now. So like, it kind of works to my advantage, but right. you know. So let's kind of talk about you a little bit more. Yeah. Right, because um, the show is very gossip driven. Yes. Right? There's a lot drama. of conversation, drama, uh, which is cool, but um I'd like to get to know a little bit more about you. Yeah. So obviously you're wearing multiple different hats, right? So one of your hats is your mother, your wife, yep. your real estate agent, and then you're a TV personality. Yeah. Right. So you're doing multiple different things. I know. And I think something that a lot of people admire, at least about watching these types of shows, is they admire the vulnerability that comes with being a real estate agent because it's all or nothing, right? <laughs> these people are like, you know, it's it's amazing to see you can be getting such huge commissions, but at the right. same time, you could be making nothing. And that's what these people like to tune into because you're all the people that go out there and risk it all. Do you right. know what I mean? Yeah. But how do you manage to go out there and risk it all and be a real estate agent, be on TV, be working and also manage to also be a mother and do all those things? And what would you tell other mothers out there that want to get into real estate? That is like a million dollar question just because I don't know. I don't know how I do it every day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm managing, you know what I mean? And I, I, what I do know is that it can be done. And uh -huh. I, and I think there are certain women that I modeled myself after when I, like my grandmother was one, but when I first got in the industry, I was searching for women because I was like, okay, who else is doing this? Like, right. you know, we wear a lot of hats and like, who else is selling luxury? And then also not to mention that I'm black, you know what right. I mean? And I needed that representation of like, where are the black women that are selling luxury real estate that are wearing all of these hats that are doing all this, all of these things. And I started finding them on Instagram. I started following them. I started studying them and seeing like how, how they do this and it can be done, right. you know? And once I saw that, okay, there are other women out here doing this. You just have to like take it day by day, step by step. And just, I, I guess not like, overthink it, you mm -hmm. know, and it, it does take having a really good support system as well. You know, that's right. one thing that I will not take for granted is that I do have a really amazing, amazing support system to help me, you know, with watching my kids and things like that. But, you know, for some women that are single moms and stuff like that, we've got a couple on our cast that are single moms and they still make it happen. Right. I mean, it's just about when you want something, you go after it and you don't stop until you get it, right. you know, and that's just, that's just my mindset. I just... Everything, everything is figure outable, mm -hmm. right? And that's what I'm doing. Like, I, I like I, that's why I'm like that's a million dollar question because I don't have the answer for you. Like, yeah. I don't know. I I just wear these hats, and I'm just like I'm there for my kids when they need me. You know, I'm I'm 
at the PTA meetings. I'm at the, you know what I mean? But at the same time, obviously Rome wasn't built in a day. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And I try not to put too much pressure on myself to have have all of it figured out. I don't, you know, and I just, I I work my best and I try to, I'm trying to get into time management a little bit better now because I have to. Before that, I was just like, hey, that's my personality. Like, I'm very like, go with the flow. I'm like, yeah, I feel feel like door knocking today. Like, I feel like doing this today. Like, nah, I'm not going to go. I'm just going to like go take the kids swimming today. You know what I mean? But like now I can't do that anymore. I have to like time block and put aside different times and, and start delegating responsibilities to my husband mm-hmm. and like, hey, I, like, I can't do this today. Like, you got to get the kids. Like, I got to work late. I'm going to be in the office, you know? So it's that, it's that kind of thing. But um, I will name drop a couple of women that when I very first got my license years ago that I found on Instagram and I'm still friends with them to this day and they really inspired me because they sell luxury and I couldn't find other women like that looked like me that were like kind of seemed like they were like from the same, like, like just mindset as myself but they were like killing it and one her name is kiana watson she's based in atlanta and then another one her name is lee mintz and she's based out of la and both of these women were doing exactly what i wanted to do and all i knew was that i'm selling houses in victorville and i'm like how am i gonna get like them and i would just like slowly start like you know what i mean like figuring this figuring out these things also i love tracy tudor as well she's on a million dollar listings i did a podcast with her once oh really yeah, yeah. like I, I like these are women that i i really look up to because they figured it out you know what i mean so i'm like in my mind if someone else has figured it out i can do it and right. i can figure it out as well so i just like you know go with that mindset and i just every day figure out a little more about you know how i'm going to do it and where i'm going to go with it and now look you know ended up on a show and hopefully that'll end up really you know bringing more deals to me and things like that in the future years yeah no without a doubt so cool because it's like um i was raised by a single mother oh wow and something she always said was she was like um don't listen with your ears listen with your eyes okay you know don't listen to what people tell you watch what they do i love that that's so true i'm gonna steal that i'm gonna make my kids think that i came up with it well so tell her thank you no well no i mean what what i was gonna say and it's to your point is that a lot of mothers will have to teach lessons to their kids, yeah. right? Yeah. And if you're not out there doing it yourself, mm-hmm. you can say as much as you want, but it, the kid's going to pick up on what it is that you actually do. Exactly. So the fact that you're out there doing it, I think that's really awesome. That's such a message that you, a lot of people won't realize resonates much more with children. Because wow. I, I always used to see my mom work so hard and um, she... You know, she's literally held like three jobs at one time. Wow. And as a kid, I mean, even as a kid, I remember being on the basketball court. I used to play basketball a lot. Your husband's yeah. a basketball trainer, right? Yeah. Um, so I used to play basketball a lot and I'd, I'd just be on the court and I'd be like really tired and I'd be like, fuck, my mom's literally just worked three jobs and she's sitting on the sideline and she looks really tired. Okay. And I was like, you know what? I need I to probably do- work a little bit harder. Absolutely. So what you're doing you probably don't even realize, but your kids are seeing the level of what you're putting in. And I you, think and it's so awesome. And you know what? That is a really good point because I bring them to the office with me. Sometimes if I have late nights or, you know, things that like I need to be at the office for all day, our office, you saw, like it's such a mm-hmm. chill vibe. Like they can, there's a kitchen in there, like the couch, like they, my daughter, like she'll put her VR uh, set on. She plays VR and Heck she'll just yeah. be like walking around the office, like playing VR. Like it's just like, it's like a home vibe too. You know what I mean? So I bring them to the office and they definitely do see. Um, I know for my daughter, my son's like, whatever, like, yeah, it's mom's office. But for my daughter, she's a little older. She's 11. And I think that for her, it really makes an impression. Like mom's an entrepreneur. Right. Like, she, you know what I mean? And that is so important to me that my kids see 
me, you know, doing it and, and, and making it. And they also see that like, it's not perfect and to give yourself grace also, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So from your opinion, what have you learned about success that you didn't realize that you would learn? Um, it doesn't feel the way that you think it's going to feel like closing a big deal. It does feel good because like you look at the check and everything like that, but all you're doing now is thinking about how you're going to top that. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's never a point where I'm like, yes, I've reached success or even like on the show, like, yes, I'm on a show. But it's like, OK, how? OK, I'm on a show, but how am I going to bring it for season two? OK, I'm on a show, but like I got to up my outfits for season two. You know what right. I mean? It's like it's never like, oh, yeah, well, I was on a show. Like, no, it's never like it's always like, you know what I mean? So like the thing that I used to think was like, if I just have a certain amount of money, I'll be happy. Or if I just have the X, Y and Z, I'll be happy. But like it's not the case. Like you just have to live and be happy every single day with what you have. Because right. once you have that, you're not going to be happy with that. Well, I don't know about everybody else. I know from my personality. No, because, I, you know, high achievers and people with like that go-getter mentality, yeah. you're never going to be like, what is it, complacent? You're never going to be complacent. And you're never going to just be like, I mean, unless maybe like I'm a billionaire or something, but I'm just the type of person that even if I'm a billionaire, I'm going to be figuring out how to be a trillionaire. Or you'll get bored and be like, oh, I just yeah. need to have a trillion. I'm, at this point, I'm bored with a billion. Yeah. Right? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's just like you, that. that's the thing about success is that you you never you think that that's going to make you happy or you think that um, you, all you need is that next thing. Like all mm-hmm. you need is that next spot. All I need is that next listing. Like right now, in my mind, I need a double digit listing. Like I right. have one coming up at 6 million, but I want something over 10 mil. I right. haven't had that yet. And that's a point in my career that I haven't. But if you think back, like I just closed a $4 million deal um, a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. If you think back to where I was four years ago, if you would have told me that, I'd be like, what? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, yes, like, I'm so excited, right? Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, okay, how am I gonna get a 10 mil? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's just like, it's constantly, it, it's just, it never, it, it just never ceases. Like, yeah. it's just not gonna go away. So. Well, it's, it's funny, because when you're the underdog, you don't have any expectations. So it's quite easy to move around. Yes. You know, if you get, if you get, if you sell a four, $4 million home, yeah. it's like, whoa, she just sold a $4 I million. I know, home. it's a big deal. Whereas now it's like, oh yeah, she sold a $4 million home. Yeah, she's on uh, selling Crazy, OC. Crazy, so, right? Yeah, it, I know. So how, how do you deal with the expectations that people put on you because you're now on a show, right? Because people have si- such high expectations of yeah. you. How do you manage that? They do. Um, For a minute, when I, like when season one first came out, I got caught up in that and I started like taking on other people's expectations and what they thought like I would hear some of the like um different videos and stuff that people would make and I'd be like wow these people think like we're like rich like we're like mega rich and like or like we're just like you like we're just trying to make it you know yeah. what I mean like I just sell real estate like I literally you know what I mean like fell into the show like it wasn't like people and then you know it's it's just I don't know it's just like day by day and you have to like kind of tune that out and not take on other people's expectations of you and just realize like everyone's walk of life is different and this is mine Mm -hmm. you know and and I might not have another listing for the entire year and that's what was supposed to happen you know Mm -hmm. what I mean and if I do or I might have like 10 or whatever but at the end of the day whatever that is I I, my job can't be to satisfy you because you know you the viewers are basically just brought along for the ride right you know like all all agents none of them are like well i mean there are some obviously that sell like this right but for most average agents like you're not like literally selling a million deals a year but when people think because you're on tv you know what i mean i'm like dude it's just and then like filming is only like a few months and i'm Mm -hmm. like you don't know what happened right after we stopped filming or anything so it's just like you kind of have to release the expectations that people have and just say like, this is my life, this is my walk. And like, you guys are just along for the journey, you know? So it's interesting. 
the way that you are on the show feels very connected to the way that you are now. Really? Yeah, you feel. Well, that's good feels, to know. It feels very organic. Okay. Right? Like I've so always you picked up that I'm a genuine person. Right. It seem like fake or like over the top. But do you feel like being on a TV show, they kind of make you almost exaggerate certain parts of your personality? Of course. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing that like we all signed up for. Like, of course, like some things are going to be dun, dun, dun. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Moments and things are going to seem like way over dramatic than they are. But then again, like <sighs> the drama's real. <laughs> That's like, oh really Damn. yeah the drama's real you know and of course like everybody knows that there's editing involved and everything like that but like the things that happen they happen yeah. and and if we were to peer into half of the people's lives that are watching they'd have these crazy moments too we're just like very vulnerable and we're putting ourselves out there in front of the world for you guys like right. none of us pretended to be perfect people before signing up for this absolutely not no you know what i mean so it's like it's it's a tough it's a tough job do you feel like the fans can relate to a lot of you guys because i feel like a lot of people can relate to you can they? but there are some That's people good. there are some people out there who are like okay i physically cannot relate to someone whose I don't know father th- owns <laughs> x y and z company and does this and da, 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 and they're all, all from this like crazy wealth background yeah. do you feel like you as an individual you can really connect with the audience more do you think that maybe you might be shining a little bit more in season two season three because of that I would hope so. Like, I really hope so. And I think that there is somebody that can relate to each and every person on the show. Okay. That's what I think. Like, our viewership is so large that there has to be somebody that relates to everyone, right? Or like even like pieces of certain people's personalities. You know Uh what I mean? You might not be able to like stand behind everything that I do or say, but you might respect my work ethic or respect that I'm a mom and I'm a working mom. You know what I mean? Or like there's different things. So... I, I think that there like there are relatable things about True. there are some people on my cast that I don't relate to, but no. <laughs> <laughs> you don't name names, right? I'm not gonna drop any names about, a, I mean like I'm I don't relate to everybody, up. but I can still even find little pieces and I'm like, I respect that about this person. No, I feel you hundred. You know what I mean? I don't agree I don't get along with you right now, but I respect that about you. So What do you think is the difference between a good realtor and a bad realtor? Um, I think a bad realtor is entitled Hmm. a bad realtor is a person who takes the listing just because they know everybody because they grew up here they throw it up on the mls and they don't even do the work behind it you know how mad i get when i like go because you know when you're prospecting you go through expired listings so daily i go through expired listings do you know how mad i get when i go through the expired listings and i see cell phone pictures of something because this is my market anything over like three million dollars cell phone pictures of a six million dollar house with views i almost want to pass out (laughs) yeah i almost want to pass out just because of the entitlement that just comes with oh yeah this isn't a big deal where i'm like are you kidding me if i had that i would have the best photographer out here because i need to get that sold like my name is on this like i need to have the most exposure for this property i need to have you know, the most showings and that's not going to give me the most showing. So I Mm -hmm. feel like that's a bad realtor. Also, I hate realtors who don't answer the phone either. Mm -hmm. Like even with me being on TV and everything, like I will answer, I will be like in filming and I'll be like, this is Brandy and I'm answering the phone. And that's because I'm just not in a place to like miss any business. And I don't, I can't see even 20 years from now being that realtor Mm -hmm. because I'm like, this is what we do. Like we're, we're people connectors like mm-hmm. this, you know what I mean? And it's a, a huge part of our job. So those are two things that I 
cannot stand. And I think I most agree. realtors will agree with me on that because the bad MLS pictures have got to stop. The bad MLS pictures have got to stop. I feel like you can buy a camera at this point. You know what I mean? Like a little point and shoot. If like, it's that serious, but camera. if you're selling that kind of property, your investment should be a part of, well, photography should be a part of your investment, right? right? Because it's all about presentation. It's all about first impressions. If you're not even showcasing the property in the in the right light, you're already putting your seller at a disadvantage. Oh, um, I'm like, that seller could have been listening to me. Right. And I would treat that listing like my baby. Yeah. And I would sell that. You, you know what I mean? Like, so I just get mad at stuff like that. Yeah, you could do a sneaky one and hire a photographer to just go to the house and just photograph and then send it to him and be like, look, please. And put a watermark on it and be like, look, yeah. just just for the sake of your house looking really bad, up. just please put it up. Ugh. But if you do, just switch me in. Get rid of their realtor <laughs> and put me in there. But you know what? It's okay because bad realtors make it easier for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, it's it's I'm in a challenge because I'm not from OC. I don't have the luxury. I can't relate and be like, oh, yeah, I grew up in a house like this. I can't relate at all. Mm -hmm. Right. But that's the part that I can't say. You okay. know what I mean? Is that I will, I will market the hell out of your property and I will treat this like it is my home that right. I want to sell. You know what I mean? And that's something that all realtors don't do, especially when they reach a, lo a certain level of success. I love People that. hire the big names because they're like, oh yeah, well I want to go with so-and-so, so-and-so because that's who you're supposed to list with because mm -hmm. that's who you've been like brainwashed to list with. You see their signs all over the place. But what people don't realize is you're getting that person's minion mm -hmm. to do the showings for you and stuff like that. You're not even getting their personal touch. That person's probably not even going to answer the phone. You know what I mean? Oh, sad, but you have their but name on the sign, but you're not going to get them mm -hmm. because they're too big for your little $6 million property. They're worried about the 60 mil that they're trying to sell. They're not worried about yours. Right. And that's one thing I like about the Oppenheim group is that even Jason, like, you know, having a mentor like him, he's very hands-on. I see him at these 60 mils. He's not sending any minions. He's like, he's at the appointments. And you know what I mean? Like I've taken him on listing appointments for like $5 million listings. Meanwhile, he's got like a 40 mil or something. You know what I mean? But it doesn't matter because every listing is important to us at our brokerage. And that's why like I am where I am because, you know, you got to learn from the best. Right. So, yeah. You know, it's so interesting. Before I even got into real estate, I mean, this is a, this is a sideways story here, but I was sitting at a coffee shop mm -hmm. in LA in uh, WeHo. And I was just chilling. I was just on my laptop doing some work. And then I hear this, like, I hear some music coming. And then I hear, he's got a Bronco, right? Is that what yeah, it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I see this, like, top-down Bronco oh, yeah. driving into the thing, into the car park. And I'm like, obviously, you turn around because you hear the music going on. And then he parks <laughs> up. And then he's got, like, four, like, model girls. You're like, all oh, 5'10", just walking out of him. And then he walks into the coffee <laughs> shop. And I was like, damn, man, this guy's so cool. And this is before I was even in real estate. Dude, you know I, mean? I want to be him yeah. so bad. Yeah, when I first got to America, I was like, damn. But, um, but yeah, I, something I'd really like to, to ask you about, actually, in general, because you've had a career before real estate. Mm -hmm. So this is interesting to me. So before real estate, in PR, were you receiving a salary or was it all commission-based? No, that's the same. And, that, and that, I guess that's just a part of my personality also is like going after commission-based things. I was a waitress at the time. So hmm. I used to work at Houston's and then I would do PR. And that's why I was saying like I would be gone in the evenings and stuff because I was going to these events trying to get my new clients. Right. And then uh, before my shift at the restaurant, I would be like coming up with like press releases or like writing bios for my clients and things like that. Um, you know, and I was very fortunate in my PR to work under somebody who was really big. Um, so she had to do like the heavy lifting on that. But I was also like her support. Oh, so. okay. That's really interesting. Do you do you ever feel like some days, because it's good when it's good, right? Yeah. If it's all 100% 100 commission-based. Yeah. But when it's bad, it's really bad. 
Do you yes. ever feel like some days you wish you just had a salary? No. Never? No, because I've done that before and I was not happy. I, I've had, um, I used to work at 20th, 20th Century Fox before okay. they like merged with Disney out in Century City. So I worked there for a couple of years and I was on salary there. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I just, it just never, it was never for me. Mm-hmm. The last salary job I had, I was a leasing consultant for like, you know, apartment homes. Mm-hmm. And the last day I remember sitting down with my manager and she was asking me to stay. She was begging me to stay. And I just told her, I, this is way before I knew I was going to be on the show. I like, I had no idea. I just told her real estate is my future. And I'm not even sure she was like, well, do you like, I think she was concerned like financially because she knows it's commission. She's like, well, we'll give you a raise. Like, well, and I just said like, there is no amount of money that you could offer me right now for the raise for me to basically like sacrifice my dream. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even know like how I was going to make it in real estate or that I was, but I was just like, I just knew that this salary was keeping me, like it sounds cliche, but was basically like keeping me away from my dream. You know what I mean? Hmm, Like that, that little check that I was getting was, it it was just, it was, it was stifling anything that I wanted for my future, my freedom, not even just like financial freedom eventually, because that's another goal why everybody gets into real estate, right? Because we all aim to have financial freedom Mm -hmm. one day, but not even just that, but like my personal freedom, like I will spend 12 hours in the office at the Oppenheim group and it'll feel like I was there for two. Mm -hmm. But when I had that nine to five, when I tell you at 4.55, I was like, my purse is packed. I'm ready to go <laughs> because yep. like I just, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I would be thinking about my own, like just how I'm going to like get out of that. So like I, I don't think there's a big enough salary in the world. It's just like being an entrepreneur is just a different type of beast. And like, it just like, it kind of like lights a little fire in me. It's exciting. I love that. You know, yeah. it's so interesting. I feel like it's a personality thing. Yeah. Because like a lot of people are happy to sell themselves to a salary and there's nothing against, I, yeah, I don't have anything against it, it but yeah. I think it comes from a perspective of a lot of people will do what they need to do at work, right? If you've got a salary and your boss tells you to do something, you do it, right? right? And then when it comes to actually you starting your own thing, right? You end up breaking the promises to yourself. Right. You work harder for someone else than you would for yourself. I know. And I think a lot of people that want to be real estate agents or want to be entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. think, okay, yeah, like, ah, let me just try it out. I don't really know what I'm going to do about the money and this, blah, blah, blah. And they end up doing that you know, leaving their salary job, going into a commission-based job Mm -hmm. and then quitting on themselves, Yeah. right? You tell yourself you're going to do something, you do it. Mm -hmm. And there's a level of discipline that's involved that you have to have within your personality. And I think that's something that innately you have and that's why you probably enjoy this so much. Yeah, that's definitely very true because there were times that I wanted to give up on myself or just say like, this isn't for me because the money doesn't come, you know, as much as, as much as you'd like it to sometimes, right. Until you really start making it. But I think you just have to have faith. Like I, like I, I have a very strong faith, you know, in God. And I think like, I just, you just have to also rely on yourself. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that's one thing I'm going to do is bet on myself. Yes. Like I would much rather bet on myself than bet on my boss or my manager to like let my future pan out to be like what, you know, like life is short and mm-hmm. I'm going to trust you with the next like 20 years of my life. Yep. Like, no, like if I'm going to bet on anybody, I'm going to bet on myself. Right. You know what I mean? Like. Speaking my language. Yeah. It's actually a term. It's called um, a locus of control. Mm-hmm. So I studied it. It's in psychology. It's whereby mm. essentially if you have a high locus of control, you believe that you have a lot of control over the things around you. Oh. And if you have a low locus of control, you feel as if the things around you have a, a very large effect on the outcome of your life. Okay. 
So a lot of people with the high locus of control are those entrepreneurs, oh, are those people wow. who feel like they control everything. So like, for example, when we had all the craziness that happened around the world, 2019, 2020, yeah, when everything yeah. shut down, yeah, I was sitting there and I was like, why can't I control the world? I oh, want to get out there. And, I know. And I was like, wow, I'm a real high locus of control dude. <laughs> I need to let, I need to chill out a little bit. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so yeah. funny. I've never heard of that before. But that, I mean, I guess you are right, you know, and I, and I just, I realized that like, I can't, I can't allow others to control my life. You know what I mean? And I, and I'm just really fortunate that this happened, you mm -hmm. know, that even, even the show, because like I said, like I didn't plan on that or anything like that. It was just another avenue for me to expose myself and to find the next level, you know, in real estate. And that's, and that's what I did. It, it's just about being intentional, you know, and like trusting the process, mm -hmm. you know, and I, and I always try to tell myself I didn't come this far, you know, just to come this far. And like, mm -hmm even though it seems like you're capped off. Like some, have you ever felt like that? Like, you just, like you're hitting a, like you're hitting a ceiling or you're hitting a wall and you're like, dude, like I'm just trying to bust past the ceiling. Like, how do I get to the next level? And you just have to trust the process and understand that it's going to come. And if you do the work, like I just believe in that you do the work that it'll eventually happen for you. Fully. You know? Yeah. Fully. And I think being someone that comes from, being someone that doesn't come from wealth, mm -hmm. I feel like you have to make, you have to you have to try so much harder in order to get the same result and i feel like there's that knowledge gap do you know what i mean like you yes. have to be learning a lot more because i feel like if you come from wealth it's natural like oh yeah you're like 10 you're like oh yeah my daddy's doing his tax returns now <laughs> and da, da, da. where i come from I'm, you know my family didn't really even know exactly. what how to use a credit card do you right know what I mean? <laughs> like you, you have to work twice as hard to get what some people would just get naturally you right. know what i mean not only first getting the education right behind it and then learning like the things that are unspoken about mm -hmm. like the like tax returns and like things like that like the things that you're like oh like that's this you don't know how many times i like years back would be in rooms sitting at meetings and I'd be like, I have absolutely no clue what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to sit here and act like I do. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And then eventually just started soaking in. And that's why I told you I used to admin for, you know, somebody who had a really big brokerage because I would just, I, you know, I would sit in these meetings and I would hear this real estate talk. But along with that, you also learn like financial literacy. Right. And then you start learning how these people live and how they manage their money. And mm -hmm. that was something I wasn't taught because we didn't grow up with money mm -hmm. in my household. You know what I mean? My My parents worked hard, but I didn't. I didn't have, you know, I didn't have it made at all. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So they didn't know how to manage finances. They were just trying to make it. You right. know what I mean? So you start learning like what wealthy people do, how they invest their money and how they keep their money. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And, and I just even learned that from my sellers. You know, if I'm selling their house and I just see like what career they do or you know what I mean? What kind of business avenues or ventures they have. It's all interesting to me because you just, you know, you just have to constantly be learning, you know, right. and that coming from like humble beginnings that is half of the <laughs> half of the journey you know right. what i mean like no you know? and it also coming from humble beginnings also helps you really appreciate where you are because like there's so many times where like i'll you know we'll be in a meeting or something like that and i'll hear another agent say yeah that one's only a two mil you know and i'm just like we're talking about two million dollars are you kidding me right now right. you know what i mean when i was a kid i would be like Look, scrounging around looking for two dollars like yeah. we're talking about two million dollar property right now that yeah. this person owns and we're talking about it's just a small little condo <laughs> mm -hmm. what you know what i mean so it's just like you know it, i my my level of gratitude is 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 it's really large like i, I i'm very like appreciative every single day of what i have right. and you know what i get to build like i don't look at it like oh i have to go to work like no i get to do this for my job and that's incredible i love that yeah yeah i feel like something that um 
a lot of people need to grasp is that learning is really the single most important thing that you can do when you don't have money. Yes. Right? Because mm-hmm. if you don't have... A, a, lot of, a lot of people that come from money have the luxury of making mistakes. Oh, gosh, I made a mistake. I lost 25 grand. Not an issue. Dad, I need... Right? right? Whereas for us, we have to be so much more efficient with every decision we make. Mm-hmm. So we need to learn all the things, you know, ahead of time yep. so that we don't fall over because if we fall over and we, we end up making a mistake that costs us money that mm-hmm. really damages us S- super right? and, and I've, I've had to learn the hard way too you know and that's the thing because we don't have that background of education mm-hmm. sometimes you don't make smart investments or decisions because you didn't have anyone to teach you mm-hmm. and you don't know you know right from wrong you learn by action and by by course so that's why like having a mentor in the industry or having somebody who you know you can follow their put their footsteps is like super it's, it's just super beneficial mm-hmm. because you don't you don't know you know what yeah. i mean at, you don't know at all and that's another reason why i got into real estate as well because i'm very um personally interested in generational wealth right. um that's also something when you when you come from like you know having like a poorer start you don't know anything about generational wealth you why would you why would you be learning about generational wealth when you're just trying to make it day by day your parents are living paycheck to paycheck mm-hmm. you don't know anything about generational wealth so when i started learning oh this is why half of the people in you know certain areas are so wealthy because they are investing this way this is what they're doing you know so now i'm very passionate about passionate about generational wealth and i teach it to people and that's something that like in the future i hope to like build more you know more on that part because like financial literacy generational wealth it's so important and you know it's just what's missing, mm-hmm. you know, in like in the in the black community that that's just something that we, we aren't taught. Right. You know, no, I had 100%. to learn that as an adult. You know, when I when I purchased my first house with my husband, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, oh, generational wealth. Like, right. this is what people do. You know what I mean? As an adult. Right. So I had no idea. They don't teach you these things in high school. Right. Yeah. The, the things that we really need to know. <laughs> and there's, I really think there's a big fight going on. Right. And it's within ourselves. Right. Because. I think now more than ever, right? Like being on social media as a user Mm -hmm. and also being on social media as a quote unquote influencer, right? Um, I've really begun, learned to value that attention is currency, right? So I always say at the end of every single one of my videos or at least the majority of my videos, I'll be like, knowledge is power. I came up with this like catchphrase and I went with it. And I believe it, I genuinely believe it. And I was thinking about it more and I heard this fantastic quote and it made me realize, right? Knowledge isn't free because you have to pay attention. Oh, right. That's like that's good. Look at you. Yeah, I was like, as soon as I had that, I was like, whoa. (laughs) And then I realized, I went, and attention is currency. Attention is our single most valuable currency because that's our time that we can't get back. It really is. So exactly, a lot of it comes from if you want to develop yourself as an individual within your career if you want to get out of the position you're in if you want to make generational wealth it's about where you put your attention Mm -hmm. that's where the power is knowledge isn't power your your attention is power it's where your focus flows you know and 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 what you focus on and what Mm -hmm. you give attention to is where like you you notice things growing you Mm -hmm. know what i mean and that that's something that I used to struggle with also because I tended to be a pessimist mm-hmm. um, in the past. And that's that was challenging because I learned that from like my family. You know what I mean? And it, obviously you're growing up struggling and stuff like that. It's not the most like optimistic situation. Like, yeah, we're going to be millionaires one day. Like right. you don't hear that kind of conversation. <laughs> yeah. So I had to start like giving my attention to things that, you know, would get would elevate me or would you know, give me new business opportunities or ideas and things like that. Because where your attention goes is 
Yeah, and yeah. that and that that's where your success lies. So you you're absolutely right. Like that, yeah. that's one hundred percent. It was like a a mind shift thing that I had to go through because I I tended to be like super negative. You know, I'd be like, man, you can't do this. Look at these people. You can't do that. And that's why I told you I had to find people and study them and say, no, if they could do this, you could do this. And it's like it's like um find like a, a well oiled machine. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? You have to remind yourself when those negative th- negative thoughts start creeping in that no 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 push that out get that out of there because once it starts infiltrating and taking over it's like a cloud it is it's like a dark cloud Truth you know what me. i mean and like you need the sun to come back in and kind of like remind you that you know you have a purpose and that you can do you can achieve anything you mm-hmm. know and i see people like jason and i see people that are like super that that just do so well for themselves and that's mm-hmm. because they have a different mindset. Right. It's really all about like your mindset and where you put your focus and your energy and your attention. Mm-hmm. And and once you have that part figured out, you know, it's it's a challenge though. It's a climb yeah. because things things happen, you know, that that cause you to kind of take a couple steps back because you, now you're thinking negative, but you just have to continue on and, right. you know, not let that overpower you. Well, it's like, it's so interesting what you're saying because essentially what I'm hearing is, is you are what you consume, yeah. right? And by you taking that leap and moving to OC, yeah. right? you're not conscious about it and no one's conscious about it because every day we walk around and we're just kind of living our lives, right? Yeah. But we are consuming all the time, right? Mm-hmm. And when you're around someone like Jason, yeah. who's selling million dollar homes and doing all these different types of things, you're consuming, you're consuming that energy. You're consuming yep. his, his, his tenacity towards yes. what he's doing. You're consuming the way that he does things, exactly. the way that he holds his meetings, the mm-hmm. way that he said certain things. Yep. And then when you're moving to a place like OC, you know, it's like, it takes a lot of evidence to have belief for yeah. a lot of people. And I think sometimes if you're someone that's in a position whereby you're not really, you're not really making success of your life, mm-hmm. all it takes is for you to move somewhere where you can see Change people your surroundings. doing it. Change your surroundings. You know that quote that they say, like you, like you never want to be like the smartest in the room. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like you want to make sure that you're in an area where you can always constantly learn from someone or like, like I loved joining the Oppenheim group. It was very challenging because I didn't speak the language, you know, that I felt like a lot of people were speaking with these sellers and things like that. Mm-hmm. But now I can hang with all of them. And that only leveled me up. And and that that challenge, which was like almost like like it was scary at first. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm like, oh, my gosh, I will never forget knocking on my very first door. And I, I had a friend with me. Her name is Lauren. She's also on the show. And um, but Lauren's from OC. I'm not. And I'm like, knock, we're walking through this amazing, sh- these amazing streets, and you can just see ocean view. And I'm like, I can see this glass house. Like, you can literally see through the house and see like views in his backyard. And I'm like, I'm about to go knock on this man's door. What the heck? You know what I mean? And yeah. then once you once I did it, the man was so nice. Yeah. He's so nice. He's a friend now. I call him all the time and follow up with him. But you just have to like break through that. But I would have never even thought that that was a thing if I stayed at like a small my smaller brokerage from when I first got my license. Right. I would have never. You know what I mean? Because I'm just like, this is my mind. We sell mm-hmm. these type of homes and this is how we go about them. We send flyers and we do open houses. But once I started going around the OC people and I was like, oh, we're door knocking these multi-million dollar houses. Okay, we're showing up in their front door. And we're doing this. You know what I mean? It's just like it, t- it takes you out of the box and it is very scary. There were times where I was very scared, very mm-hmm. uncomfortable because Jason does um, team meetings. Right. And you mm-hmm. see them on the show. Yeah. So for probably like my first like four team meetings or something, I was like, so I didn't have business yet. And I was just new there. And I would like, I would feel myself like very nervous because he goes around, he puts you on the spot and we would go around to people and they were like three listings coming up. 
a five mil, a 10 mil, a little three mil. And I'll be like, oh, it's about to be my turn. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to pass out. You know what I mean? And I, but, but that, that motivated me to like, I'm not showing up to the next team meeting without something. Right. I'm not showing. So I would stay in the office. I would work. I would cold call. And Jason used to say like, you guys don't need to cold call. Like we don't really do that that much. Like he wasn't really into cold calling, but I didn't have another avenue. I didn't have a sphere of influence in OC. Like I didn't have any of that. So I was like, I don't, Jason, we're just gonna have to agree to disagree because I'm gonna do that. Sure right. enough, here I am. You know what I mean? And, yeah. I, and and it's just like you just have to like push past push past that fear because there were so many times where I'd be like, we're having a team meeting. I don't want to show up. I don't want to show up because mm-hmm. like I don't have anything to tell them. You know what I mean? And now you just have to give yourself grace in that moment and say, this is not my final destination. This is not where I'm going to end up. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But me sitting there with everyone else giving their updates about these amazing things that they had going on motivated me but if i was sitting in a meeting and i was the best one and i had all these things going on then maybe that wouldn't be the best room for me right right you know what i mean so me sitting there and being nervous and feeling like feeling like bad every time i left the meeting because like everybody else has all these amazing things going on and i'm like calculating their commission in my head and i'm sitting here like you know what i mean like it motivated me Mm -hmm. so it's just and now i sit in those team meetings and i'm happy i'm proud yeah i'm like ringing the bell you know what i mean so so your level of discomfort yeah is what's now made you comfortable. Yeah. In the sense of you were so uncomfortable in those meetings that drove you to then work harder to now become comfortable in those meetings. And now we need to get to that next meeting, whatever that is, that's going to make you even more uncomfortable. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I I believed in that quote that like, that they say everything that you want is on the other side of fear Mm -hmm. because I didn't believe it when I very first heard it, but I started to like literally, that was my life. Like I started to see that and it, it proves to be true that anything that I was afraid of after I went after that, it made the most sense. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's just, you have to do scary things. Can I ask you a, a question mm-hmm. that I think a lot of real estate agents would benefit from? How do you get over the initial fear of being on camera? Um, I guess you either care about it or you don't. Because there are some people that I don't think ever get over that. Right. I think for me, um, I'm just a really authentic and genuine person. So... It was almost, so I got over the fear because I was on a a little appearance on Selling Sunset for like a second. We like got invited to their finale. Like we had just got told that like we were on the show. So they were like, oh, come, you might as well come to like our filming of like season, I can't remember, four maybe, finale. And we're like, oh my gosh, like so nervous. They're like, you guys are going to be mic'd up. I'm like, oh my God. I was mute for like the first like hour. I would not talk because there was a mic on me. And I was like, oh my God make on me like I'm not I don't know what to say like I don't know what to do that went out the window like immediately like I, once I started talking once I realized that like I don't I don't know like I don't know what so I'm saying like you either care or you don't because something like clicked. something just clicked and like I just stopped being afraid of it and now I'm almost afraid that I'm afraid that I'm not afraid of it I'm like you have to remember that you have a mic on oh you almost get too relaxed yeah <clears throat> interesting you get too relaxed so that that's where people get to see like some of your little too raw, you know, right. moments, like, you know what I mean? And like, you know, like, I know, like, my family hates when I cuss on TV, but like, I cuss in real life. So right. like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, there's a camera on me, there's a mic on me. And like, I forget that I'm mic'd and like, you know, I might get in like a heated argument or like, not even just a heated argument, I might say something funny and like, yeah. you know, so it's like moments like that, that like, it's just, you either can do it or you can't. Yeah. It's that kind of thing. Like, there, I don't think that there's like a getting like over the fear. It's just like, you just have like, Mm-hmm. You have to remember what you're doing it for. And then once you remember what you're doing it for, are you really going to care? Yeah, that's right. That's a really good point. Yeah, Because there's so many real estate agents now that are like, oh, you know what? 
I give up because I have to be a social media influencer as well as being a real estate agent in order to be successful. Hey. I've got to be good in front of the camera in order to be successful. And it's like, you can either give up or you can realize why you're doing it, not the fact that you're going to look a certain way when you're doing it. Yeah, I just released right? all that control. And I just said, you know, people are going to perceive me however they perceive me anyway, right? So like, I, the best I could do is just be myself. Okay. You know, and at the end of the day, like, this is for your entertainment and they may chop it up and make me look however they're going to make me look. But like, I, you know what I just mean? I've already released that. that control and I know who I, I know who I am. I know what I meant in that moment. I know who I am. You weren't there. And I just have to kind of like live with that. But I'm not going to like make it seem like it's easy because getting the backlash and being under the like the public eye is hard. Right. That's much harder than just having a camera like facing you or having a mic on you. Like hmm. dealing with like, you know, other people's opinions on a massive scale for the first time. How do you it's cope very with jarring. that? Do you, do, you, do you lose sleep? Is this something that actually I did. affects you? Yeah, I did. Um, when season one first came out, I did. But, um, you know, you get over that because you realize that these people are actually very invested in their viewers, which is why they have so much commentary. And that's mm -hmm. good because if they didn't care, they didn't have anything to say, then we wouldn't have anybody watching. So no. that means that the producers did a very good job of evoking this emotional attachment, you know, to some of our like roles and characters and mm. people who we are on the show. So, well, it was, honestly, it's been such a pleasant chat. With oh you my today. gosh, I loved it. Yeah, yeah? me too. <laughs> All right, awesome. Well, I, I feel like that's a wrap for the episode. Yeah. Um, I was gonna usually at the end of most episodes, I'm like, okay, so where can we find you? I feel like we're gonna find you on Netflix, so it's not an issue there. Yeah, Thanks for coming on. Of course. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs>